This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. <laughs> all right, guys. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in for another week. We've got a lot of stuff to cover this weekend. Obviously, Eternal Weekend was... This weekend, Grand Prix Atlanta. Modern is in semifinals now. Uh, we just had Legacy Champs and Eternal Weekend. We're going to cover that stuff. We also have a new segment we're going to debut this week that I think everyone's going to like a lot. Basically, a rapid-fire question and answer. Cody and I are blind going into this. We don't know what the questions are. We just got to come off the cuff. And then uh, something we want to cover, pretty important, holidays and magic and what it does for the market, basically. So... Starting off, Eternal Weekend, uh, Paradoxical Mentor, One Vintage, Legacy was just wrapped up by Miracles. Thoughts, everyone? Uh, I didn't expect Paradoxical Outcome, the uh, or Mentor Storm, whatever you want to call it, to actually win the event. I saw it first demoed on Versus Super League, and I thought it was kind of janky and just meant for that format to fight shops. But, yeah. Uh, Brian Koval, I believe that's how you say it, pronounce his name, won the event and basically said that Paradoxical Outcome is the blue card that Vintage needed to answer shops. So yeah, I'm happy that the deck won. I just worry that uh, Watsi might bury it now that it's won. That's fair. Uh, I was actually... Legacy, you know, everyone talks about how Storm was dead after the Get Pro ban... Storm's never going to be the same. And of course, like Caleb Shear, Finkel, everyone were like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but it hasn't really had the showing at big events. And I was very pleased to see it get into the finals, even if it did lose to Counterbalance and Tormod's Crypt, which Counterbalance, still a good card, it turns out, even without top. Yep, uh, Counterbalance ended the tournament. Uh, countered a, a blind, a duress blind, and that ended the Storm uh, players' run. Yeah. Cyrus. Corwin McGill, I think. I'm yeah. Doing that. Um, he went undefeated and into the finals and then lost to a counterbalance activation in game three. Yep. But, hit hit Ponder off his, off his counterbalance. Yep. Uh, and I agree as a Storm player myself. <clears throat> I was kind of worried about the archetype. I don't have a lot of legacy events to play around here, so I've got to go off other results. And it's nice yeah. to see specifically that Ad Nauseam was going to put up numbers. I've seen Bryant Cook put up numbers with oh, yeah. um, Epic Storm, and that deck is just going to do what it does. And I think uh, the new term is now Ruby Storm for the Mono Red Storm deck. Yeah, that uh, with Hazareds and Dying Fury or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It goes 0-3 drop. And the important part about seeing Storm in the finals, despite the fact that I don't have a deck list now, is knowing that the discard suite is pretty much exactly what everybody expected. With a 4-3-1 yeah. split, I believe it's four duress in the main, three Thoughtseize in the main, and then one more on the board. So you've got to yep. do a lot more work to get where you're going. But that also enables you to quickly empty the Warrens on four and five. You just have to be ready for that really quick storm game kind of plan. Yeah. Uh, and then modern, top eight, two KCI, one Hardened Scales, Bant Spirits, Hollow One... Uh, what am I missing out of that? Infectron, I think. Bridge. Infectron and Bridgevine. Yep. Bridgevine, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Bridgevine. Yep. Uh, so what's four graveyard decks? Half the field? Yeah. 
double KCI, Bridgevine, yeah. uh, Hollow One, and then kind of Hardened Scales. Yeah. yeah. Because Modular doesn't work without a graveyard. Right, exactly. right. So, uh, what, what struck you guys about that? Uh, Cody, first. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not that surprising, I don't think, if you've been paying any attention. Um, Ridgevine and Hollow One have been doing their thing for a while. KCI has been its annoying self for a while. Everybody knew Spirits um, was really good after Supreme Phantom. Um, it's just, it interacts well, it's fast. Um, it just, I, I really like Spirits. I've played Spirits, um, and one of my buddies has played Spirits for a long time. And uh, I've always thought it was a, a one card away kind of deck. And um, it seemed like Supreme Phantom uh, has really gotten it there um, to be pretty competitive. Um, and then Tron is Tron. Everybody knows what Hardened Scale's been doing. And then an Infect deck snuck in, um, which I think Infect has been a little bit on the rise lately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, I think nothing, not really much to take away from it, um, other than maybe we should start interacting with people's graveyards some. Um, but I mean, we've already seen Leyline of the Void go up to be like a $40 card, $45 card. Um, Craft Digger's Cage. Yeah. Like, um, can I mean, only do also, so much. Yeah. And I mean, some of these decks playing a card on turn two is too slow. Um, you know, sometimes turn two, rest in peace, turn two, Graft Digger's Cage doesn't beat some of these decks. So, yeah. Uh, especially on the draw. So, uh, Modern's still really fast. Um, there's no control. Um. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's about what everyone expected. Yeah. Uh, I'm honestly really surprised. At the end of day one, we had <clears throat> excuse me, like ten eight o lists. There were two humans lists nowhere in the top eight. Two blue white control, which for a while has been like the boogeyman in the format. Uh, at least, especially locally here, everyone in St. Louis is on blue white. It's been 5 owing leagues all over the place. Of course, say what you will about the Star City circuit. It's been putting up numbers there. But even some of the pros have been saying blue-white is a legitimate deck now that Teferi's around. Mm-hmm. They also had two right. dredge players, Bogles, the deck that won't go away. Right. Hollow One, Jund, Storm, Jeskai, and The Rock. And Which, To me, The Rock just looked like a bad Jund deck. So one of my friends actually was... Uh, six and two after day one, and his one of his losses was the mirror match to the guy that went eight zero with it. Okay, and he said he felt like he was in every game, and it felt better to him than Jund in the blue white matchup mm-hmm. because you get four Field of Ruin in the main. Oh, that's cute. Okay, and okay. that's actually something I've been wanting to try to fit in to Jund as a place to put that. He also had a Singleton Tech Edge in his list, so. Interesting. One game that he lost, he said he had to mull down to five, but his seven was five spells, Field of Ruin, Tech Edge. And if that had been a Blooming Marsh, Snap Keep, you win the game. Right. But that just doesn't always happen, obviously. It's kind of interesting, though, that humans didn't convert at all after going 8-0. Because, like, what, four months ago, it was the deck. Yeah, right. The only thing in the format. I I still think it's a very good deck. Um, I just think... It was a very fast deck, and the format got even faster than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, the the one thing I did notice about the eight O decks, looking at those, is it does seem Assassin's Trophy has mostly supplanted Abrupt Decay, at least in modern. Um, yeah. 
Assassin's Trophy was the main the main deck choice for any Jund or or uh, Golgari decks, and then it was also um, a sideboard choice for some uh, Dredge decks as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Trophy seems to have mostly supplanted. Um, there were there were some decks that ran three uh, two split of Trophy and Decay, but mm-hmm. one of the Jund decks didn't run any Decays. Um, so I thought I found that to be interesting. Yeah, one of the more interesting takeaways from a not very exciting, you know, nothing came out of left field on, on this one, I feel like. Yeah. The, yeah. the Bridgevine deck in the top eight actually has four copies of Trophy in the sideboard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the other ways to look at this top eight isn't just that there are four graveyard decks, but there are four decks in here that also make, that also take advantage of the full suite of Ancient Stirrings. Yeah. And the, the graveyard decks and the Ancient Stirrings decks still aren't, Unique decks. There's definitely still overlap, mainly in the Ironworks combo. Yeah, I still think Ancient Stirring should have been banned a long time ago. But I, yeah, it, it's interesting because it digs five. Yeah, and they don't like one mana dig three sorceries. But this one, I guess, because you have to build around the card, right, is okay. Yeah, I, I still Whatever. think I don't think the best dig spell should be a one mana green, but I. Th- also do not disagree. I'm a little mad we didn't see the Crag and White Cremator deck anywhere. Oh, yeah, Just a lot of people throwing that out there. there. You only got you only got two or three hundred of those laying around somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> I, I dumped all of mine to Card Kingdom for too much money. Yeah. <laughs> I will say... Uh, uh, that deck the, is such a meme. Yeah. The last thing about the modern top eight before I move on is that what surprises me between last week in Star City and this weekend is that there's only one big mana deck in the top eight. It's just one copy yeah. of Tron. Compared to the yep. Star City event, where I believe in the top 16, there were a handful of Valakut decks, Tron decks, and then we had the Amulet Mirror. Now, yeah. An Amulet deck didn't even go undefeated on day one of the Grand Prix. Right. So that, that's kind of surprising that there's just this disparity, not just between the two events, between Star City and Atlanta, but a week apart and in different locations. These yeah. events could not have been any more different. Yeah. Right. Uh, that that also surprised me. I've always been a. I've always said that I felt like the Star City meta is JV ball, and GPs are pro ball. Yeah. Uh, but you still think you know, big man is something everyone everywhere struggles with in their metagame, and it always performs well. Tron objectively mulligans better than any deck in the format, and to see only one of them was surprising for me as well. With this, uh, one of the last GPs of the year leading into the last PT of the year, we're going to be moving into the holidays. And not a lot of people continue to track finance through the holidays because it is a very busy time for the next two months in regards to both individual lives and magic buys and sales. But it's definitely something that needs to be covered. Yeah. So, Jason, if you just want to start us off. Sure. Uh, There's two times a year that you'll always see prices take a tank. And it's the holidays and tax season. Holidays, the great thing about this hobby is it's all liquid. You can turn it into money at any time. People are selling cards to pay for vacations, Christmas presents, cars, whatever. And you'll see, you've already kind of started to see it a little bit with some of the bubble cards from old school. Like UC started dipping. Some of the other duels have started to go down a little bit. And even standard, uh, you've seen cards and not just... Fad cards, uh, even 
you know, Assassin's Trophy has taken overall like a five to 10% dip just because this time of year, people are dumping everything. They're not buying, they're not opening, whatever. Uh, and you just see that sort of take a nosedive. Um, so for me, I try to never sell anything during the holidays unless I absolutely have to, just because from now until realistically the end of December, market takes like a five to 15% hit. And unless you absolutely need the money, just hold for two months, you know, don't, don't, don't do it to yourself. Yeah. Uh, the holidays is generally when I do some of my best buying for collections I'm looking for, which is generally things on the higher end, more higher end reserve cards, because this is a time period where people are looking to, uh, buy presents there's always the stereotypical engagement that happens in the ho on the holidays and oh. to afford that it's very easy to just dump a handful of reserveless cards and i love to scoop those up or spare so, modern deck or yeah yeah whatever so as somebody who's looking to buy i know that i can buy now hold for four to six months and turn around after the first pro tour of the next year and generally cash out at a fair percentage higher than i bought in yeah, so since I'm kind of new, uh, I you know I was doing this just buying selling online, um, holiday season last year, and I didn't realize this was a thing at the time, until I realized I wasn't really selling much anymore. But my coffers were running very dry on. I just saw good deals everywhere, yeah. um, so I was just scooping stuff up constantly, uh, like you guys said, and just wasn't really selling as much anymore because it didn't feel like I was churning. You know, I, I generally like to make about twenty percent, fifteen twenty percent on sales, and so. Um, not making that 15 or 20%, I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not pulling the trigger on any of these sales. And so I just kind of noticed that that happened. And then, uh, once I started talking to you guys, you know, obviously just talking about it, it, it makes perfect sense. And so, um, definitely something to look out for. Uh, like these guys said, it's a great time for buying. If you have some spare cash going into the holidays, um, then it's a really good time to get some collections, get some decks, yeah. uh, get some play sets of cards that people are, are looking to dump different things like that. So. Definitely something to be looking out for. Yeah, and especially if there's like particular cards that you've been after for a while that you're like, oh, wait till it's cheaper, I'll wait till it's cheaper. Now is basically the time to do it because it's not, you know, granted whatever happens tomorrow with this MTG Yuma announcement, you're not hitting too much reprint risk. You've got prices down unless you want to wait till the card gets reprinted, but then who knows how long you're going to wait. So if, if you have something you need or you just want to capitalize, this is the time to buy, in my opinion. Now, yep. that, that's all, a lot of information for singles in regards to the holidays, but what about looking at buying? Anybody needs one of these, let me know. Oh, you got the Empyrean? <laughs> oh, I got nothing because I didn't buy into uh, the yeah. Masters. But what about, what about sealed during the holidays from uh, more reputable vendors? So large vendors who run Black Friday deals or... Like I think it's great. style deals. Yeah, like Troll and Toad does, you know, Pokemon, Y Schwartz, Magic, everything. And Channel Fireball, last year, their Black Friday deal was, I think, a box, a fat pack, uh, the theme decks or whatever for the set for only about $40 more than what their box price was. Yeah. And it came with, you know, sleeves and a deck box. So I think it's also a good time for gifts if you have a friend that, oh, I just want to grab on the box and then not think about it anymore, I think it's a really good time. I think 
it's interesting because sealed as an investment is kind of not a thing anymore. Right. Yeah, I yeah. personally don't like sealed just because I like every my my strategy with magic buying and selling since I don't have a store like uh, like Jason is liquidity. Everything has to be liquid. I want everything to come in and go out within a week or two. Uh, most most I want to hold something is a month, and I just want to flip everything. And so sealed basically doesn't allow um, for that. I, I avoid sealed. Um, I avoid mostly foils unless it's the premier foil of something. Like I don't want the M13 foil, ver- Masters 13 version foil of something if there's an old foil that I know people are going to be wanting because the M13 foil is just going to be inflated in price, but no one's really going to want it, and it just falls in this middle ground of illiquidity. Um, and I feel like sealed has a very similar illiquidity as well. So mm-hmm. I try to avoid that. But if you are looking for something to hold potentially, um, or you have a store, you have some space. I also have no space. I just do everything out of my house and everything fits like in a box underneath my bed. Um, so I don't have room to, <laughs> I don't have room to spread out. And so that's just why my strategy works for me and why I do it the way I do it. But it, it depends on your situation as well, where, why you might do that or might not. So yeah, definitely. And we're going to be heading towards a time period where we'll see, probably see a bunch more eBay promos, either bucks or percentage off. So as uh, Troll and Toad sells on eBay, I believe uh, Card Hoss does as well under the Kid Icarus yeah. account. Yep. And I think Star City ha- used to have their own eBay account where they put um, signed cards or things they had problems moving on the website. I don't know. They still do. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that that could be a place to look as well if you're looking to get into sealed around the holidays, looking for deals on current or older boxes. And yeah, then, especially as much as they've been doing eBay bucks lately. It seems yeah. like every other week. Exactly. It just seems yeah. like they want to help people just churn through inventory. Now, this is the the winter seasonal. And we'll talk about tax season again because that impacts multiple markets that so reaches all the way down oh, to yes. old school. Yeah. That is a little more far-reaching than the... Yeah. The, su- the winter seasonal sales and the summer doldrums. But uh, with that, is there anything else we need to cover before we just move into some rapid-fire questions this week? I know we want to keep things a little shorter. Uh, the one thing I did <clears throat> kind of want to cover was the MTG Yuma hype. I mean, okay. it's everyone's talking about it, so we may as well cover it. All right. What and this is purely speculation on my part. All right, we got a masters set, ultimate masters. We've got box toppers back rather than masterpieces or buy a box. And I think it's going to be one per box. It's sealed inside the booster, and I think spoiler season's gonna suck because if all of these promos are in that set, mm-hmm. you cannot possibly have that many hits. And still charge ten to twelve dollars a pack, unless the set besides these hits is awful. Okay. Because you have so many good cards that have been spoiled: Vault, Demonic Tutor, um, the, the new Goyf. Yep. Like, there's so many cards that are just so good that I don't see this being like this is it to me. I don't see how the set could be anything but this stuff. Like, okay, what or, What else do we get, you know? So or, Watsy is cashing out of Modern. Yeah. That's that's another theory out there, is that they're saying, hey, Modern is this giant cash cow. Earnings are down. Let's oh, yeah. Print, 
let's reprint everything and everyone will buy this box. Everyone yeah. will buy it. It would be the most solid. If, if those 40 cards that we've seen are there and then there's even more than that that we haven't seen, then it's just it's going to be ridiculous. Um, and then not only that, not only are there hits in just value of the cards, but then there's also these box toppers that people are selling. I think I just saw one sell for $300. Like, people know nothing about these things, and someone just sold it for $300, and Watsy sent it to me for free in the mail because I bought a Mythic Edition. Like, yeah. I, it just, it, that, that seems like a bizarre number to me. I can't imagine spending $300 on one of these cards that we know nothing about. Um, but Tinfoil hat time. Bear with me. There is no possible way Watsy could have gotten this product ready in two weeks. So, they had this ready, were planning to do something, mm -hmm. tanked the Mythic Edition launch, and then sent this out as publicity. Tinfoil hat, I don't think that's realistic at all. But man, would that be great. Because if there's one thing I can count on Watsy to do, it's mess something up yeah. on the internet. Yeah. They so, planned for it. So, with the hits that are rolling in in this set, because they just kept coming Friday and Saturday, you're expecting yeah. that this set is going to cause serious wallet fatigue. Yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't matter what uh, the next two RAV sets have. This master set is pretty much just going to crush the rest. We might see bad sealed sales on those other two sets because people are saving up for whatever this is going to be. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. It'll I, be I interesting mean, to see the competition between a really sought-after modern uh, at the same time as a really strong standard um, because we haven't seen that yeah. at the same time. I feel like um, in 2017, modern was very, very strong in standard was very very Awful. hated there were yeah. lots of bands um there were not very popular sets um now we're back to nostalgic times with strong cards that we don't have to ban because things seem pretty well balanced um we there's it, core 19 gave us a lot of answer cards mm -hmm. i feel like which was what we were missing in the previous standard um, we yep. just got a, a set that core 19 was awful as a set and it's not any fun at all to draft and it's I mean, but I feel like it does what it's supposed to do in that it, it, it makes, it fills in little little problem areas and things. It does. Um, yeah. So I, I, that would that would actually be a really interesting thing to see if they give us Allegiance, I think it's Allegiance of Ravnica. Yeah. going to be our next. So RTRTRTR. Yeah, so if they give us yeah. a really strong standard sealed right about the same time as they're giving us <clears> a really strong modern sealed, it'd be interesting to see the competition between the two. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I, also, Spirits, Bant Spirits and Finals at... Uh, GP Atlanta. Nice. Oh, nice. Uh, I didn't see. I didn't see what the other who they're playing, but Vance Spirits is in. Has the rest of the 2019 Grand Prix schedule been announced? Format-wise, no. Just the time of the events. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious if they balance out standard with more modern now. If that's kind of withheld information to try and pump a little yeah. enthusiasm into modern. Oh, right. Though it's hard to see how that's possible. I think Atlanta yeah. they announced 1,500 people. At this Grand yeah. Prix, and the same of, weekend as Eternal. Yeah, and you have to assume that probably, what is a normal Pro Tour like? Is it three to five hundred players? Yeah. So like a third of that field might be Pro Tour players who are playing a format that is unrelated to the next Pro Tour for fun. Yeah. Like. Right. Modern. Pretty good. Yeah, modern's not doing bad. So. No, they uh they know what their shareholders want money. Yeah, and. Modern cells, and that's one of the reasons why I don't subscribe to uh, a postmodern or any of those yeah. other formats. There's no reason to do that right now. Modern is just making the money hand over fist. 
It's yeah. not extended. This isn't a rotating format people are getting tired with. People are, are flocking to this format right now. And it's really fun. I mean, if anybody plays it, it's really fast and fun. Uh, I mean, I, I hate grindy games. Uh, I've never played Control in my life. Maybe some of you guys have, <laughs> like, evil people. But I, I like the speed of Modern 2 just because I'm, I'm a very social person. So I like getting games done and talking yeah. to people. And I, the speed of Modern is... I don't like Control because I, think it's just I have speed to talk to people. Good for the, era, the era we live in is an era of people not paying attention for very long. And so, That's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, the next generation enjoys what Modern. Like, uh, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next generation enjoys modern as well because it it moves fast. Um, yeah, and so uh, I think it's I think it's still a very very strong format. Yeah. I I spent my Friday night testing modern. I've got no modern events coming up. I decided not to go to a modern F and M to just play modern with people I hadn't for a while. And I think I spent three hours testing a bunch of decks against the taking turns deck. And yeah. that was honestly fun. I'd never played against the deck before. It's not a slog like the Turbo Fog standard deck. They oh, were God. all really interesting and interactive, and I played Affinity and Tron, and I think Scapeshift at one point. It was just a blast. The format's oh. incredible. All right, but moving on to our new segment, Test the Waters. Here we go. So I'm gonna have some rapid fire questions for for everybody. We'll try and keep things short. We'll do a count point counterpoint thing. So, okay. Well, if necessary, our first question is do any of us traffic in non-Magic the Gathering cards or collectibles? So personal collections or uh, just churning? So, Are we talking like coins or stamps or something? Anything like that, yeah. Okay. I, uh, I have the entire North American PlayStation library. Um, PS1, not two or three i vintage games are like a weird niche hobby much like magic it's a nostalgia thing for me yep. uh just something i like doing you know keeps Wait. keeps my mind satisfied and like i can sit there and crank out four or five hours on an old game i played in middle school and be like oh man i'm not 32 with a bad back and a knee i'm sitting in my room with <laughs> Our Lady Peace playing in the background or something ridiculous. Oh, and it's just a nice way to reclaim that. Fair enough. Cody? Nice. I had to uh, collect um, antique books and or interesting printings of books. Um, right. I'm a big time reader. My wife's a big time reader. Um, our kids are named after uh, literary our dogs are named after literary characters. Our kids are named after literary characters. So reading okay. and, and books and everything have a a big part in our lives, and so uh, we have a, a lot of really interesting old signed books, um, mm -hmm. new new authors that I like um, that are I think are up and coming. Um, I always get interesting copies of books from them and try to get them signed um, by them. Um, so it's a much more space consuming, but strangely much cheaper hobby. Yeah, um, yeah. It's strange that a full book that's a thousand pages of actual nice paper is uh, is more expensive than a cardboard that is easily counterfeited <laughs> but but such is life so uh, yeah so that's that's my thing that's pretty dope um i've got two one of them's coming to a close so i don't know if it's collectible but uh i'm putting together a very specific set of the original ninja turtle toys from 1988 and 89 yeah. like all the the main characters you can think of. So it's only like 15 of them and all their yeah. alt variants. And I'm literally one away from the set. So I, I wouldn't call it a collect. 
uh, something I traffic in. It's just every now and then I check eBay. Is it there? I'll pick it up. Yeah. Uh, something I do actually traffic in, though, and this is uh, accessible to me because I do actually go out to anime cons where I can find it, is... Uh, so the, About to get weird. No, the, the base Body set for Pokemon... No, no. <laughs> uh, the base set for Pokemon comes in uh, the shadowless form, and the cards look pretty dope without it. It's uh, basically just a miss, a missing layer of art on the card, and they're really yeah. easy to spot if you know what you're looking for. And for the most part, a lot of them are pretty cheap, but I'll just snap those up when I can for no other reason than just to tuck them away. Like, I have a full set yeah. and a couple first eds that are shadowless, and that's just something I do because I started playing the game in seventh grade, played with those first couple sets, and then I just, for whatever reason, tucked it all away. Yeah, kept, kept at it, tucked it, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, next question, relevant to Eternal Weekend. Thoughts on trading HP and MP cards, if you do. Because it's okay. one of the easier uh, ways to break into older formats is to not look for that light play or near mint version of these cards. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I'll go first on this one. Yes, uh, Since Jason had to go first last. I, I spoke to this a little bit earlier. I hate cards that aren't liquid and heavily played, moderately played cards have a uh, they just have a smaller group of people that will buy them. I don't like them. I'd prefer nice cards that are easy to sell. I just whenever I list whenever I list a hundred something cards, I don't want to type out different conditions for every single one and post pictures for every single one. I just want to say, hey, all these cards are new mint. You bought from me before. Trust me, they're new mint. It's so much easier and faster. I hate I hate beat up cards. So, Man, I'm sure I'm sure Jason can shark people at his store with beat up cards, and so he really <laughs> likes them. But no, they're just like HPMP dual lands sell all day long. Yeah. They're so easy to move as long as they're sleeve playable. Nobody cares for especially for older formats. I love that stuff. It's great. Someone can trade me ten shock lands for a beat trap all day long. I don't care. Please do that. Because it's so it's so liquid. Because people need it for EDH, they need it for Legacy, they need it for Vintage, they need it for Old School. If that continues to be a thing, I think it will. Oh, yeah. I I love HPMP as long as it's old reserve list. Like, look here, this this is a torn in half UC. I tore this in half at GP Seattle, and I could probably sell this for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> here's here's a torn in half LED. I can tape this together and sell it. For a hundred bucks, and someone will trade me ten fetch lands for it. Come on! No, no, they will not. If they, if, if they will, I need those people to start buying from me more often. We bought. Uh... I, I, I will say, I will say that the very old cards, they generally are found to be more HPMP, and those are a little more acceptable. I, I mostly, I mostly traffic in very liquid cards anyway, so I'm mostly traffic in modern cards, and so I'm speaking from. No, I do not want your yeah. your beat up fetch lands. No, I do not want your beat up mox opals. Um, those are the type of cards I'm I'm more thinking of than. Wow, that noble was twenty dollars when noble was a sixty dollar card. Look at that! You can see the blue core. It's great. So you just have a desk full of shitty cards. <laughs> I just happen to have those right by my keyboard. Yeah, that's just uh-huh. cute. It's all beat and damaged cards. That's- Brian Harbinger has a... Don't buy from Jason. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're going to stick with this theme of uh, liquidity in cards. Trading or buying, churning, graded cards. So Jason, this would be you. I I used to not like it. 
I wasn't a fan because they were so illiquid. Um, and then I got more involved in the scene, uh, especially with like vendors yep. and the graded scene. They are liquid, assuming you know who to go to. Mm-hmm. If you know like the five or six people, you can sell them in a second. It doesn't matter. Yep. Um, you know, I'm not, when I get cards that are really nice, I'm not prone to grade them unless they're like high end, like nether voids, chains. You got to be 500 or more, yep. basically. Otherwise, it's just not worth it. I generally don't ever buy graded. I don't want to touch them. I don't want them in a case. I want to get cards that are gradable and sell graded cards. I don't ever want those things. Mm-hmm. I have a, when Solemnity got spoiled, I got a 9 5 Decree of Silence from Abu Games for $10 foil. It's still sitting in a deck box because you can't what am I going to do with that thing? Yeah, you can't Nobody. play that thing. <laughs> sure, it's pop one of one. Great. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Who, who gives a poop? Yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm in the same boat. I've never bought one. The, the multiplier is attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get a good old card, but the people are already, there's so many collectors trying to do this. There's so many people that think they're collectors trying to do this. There's so many people that think they're really good at grading cards and just want to take a bunch of pictures of how fancy all their really nice cards are. Like, There's just such a group of people that already want to be doing this and enjoy grading cards and buying these cards that I think the price for them is just is really inflated. And unless you're, you're finding ones that can be graded and, and getting that multiplier that way, but not that already are, you're just there's no there's no margin there to be made on on graded cards. Like I'm not gonna be able to buy a, a nine chains now and do anything with a nine chains in six months, I don't think. And I may have invested a thousand dollars or whoever knows how much they are, and I don't know how much it's going to how much it's gonna make me. Whereas I could buy a thousand dollars in fetch lands and sell them for twelve hundred tomorrow maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. so it, it's just for especially for my strategy, they're not appealing in any way. Yeah, uh, I personally, if I buy alpha beta stuff, it won't be graded. I'll usually just get it to be playable because I have this illusion living in New England. Eventually, I'll make it down to uh, the greater Boston area and play old school. Uh, except the one time where we decided to push up beta shatter, and so for a couple yeah. of days, I just went on a buying spree, picking up uh, mint and uh, light played beta shatters from across the internet to re- relist on TCG player and was able to push the price from like eight to 30 bucks. And that included, yeah. included the eight and nine that I picked up off eBay to help prop up the price. Listed these for I think 200 on TCG when nobody was listing. And then a bunch of people listed under me exactly like I wanted to at a real price. Yeah. I used yeah. it to just try and create a price point that didn't exist for these cards. And I know I'm gonna sit on them forever until yeah. I find somebody who's looking to buy beta shatters and I might get out what I put into them realistically. But it was a low risk, high reward situation where we yeah. were able to move the needle on this very low pop card yeah. in a, a time period where it was just white hot. And I think yeah, that somebody was in the midst of old school Yeah, that yeah, bubble hype. So Yeah, people hadn't begun buying unlimited versions of cards yet so we did this a year or two ago and yeah like, towards the plowshares at that point in time was still under twenty dollars for the unlimited version yep and somebody shortly thereafter did the same thing with swords and the same thing with disenchant and these high powered high oh, ring had it done now i think yeah yeah uh 
we basically just, we didn't, but a number of people were able yeah. to kind of mimic that movement and force these cards up and just crank the, the dials on them. So, second last question, I think this one's going to induce a little bit of conversation. Oh, Lord. So, death is not an option. Do you play mill or mass land destruction? Mass land destruction. You're the guy to play Armageddon and Desolation, Angel? If death is not an option, yeah. I would rather <laughs> I would rather destroy all their lands than, than mill their deck. Alright. Um, I'm going to be got... honest. I, a long time ago, I had a Baborgmos Enraged altered to be the Joker holding the art of the original Bobo with a word bubble that said some people just want to watch the world burn, and I built an all-Wildfire EDH deck. I love Wildfire. Vor was one of my favorite standard decks ever. Like we talked about last week, one of the reasons I'm so excited for middle school is because Vor exists in that format. Yep. If I can blow up all the lands, I'll do it. I just want to watch. Like, Look, there is a finite amount of fun that can be had in a game of Magic. I want to have all of it. It's just how it is. <laughs> so if I can blow up all the lands and have like Crucible or Sylvan Library or something out, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Also, yep. I hate Mill. It's just one of those things that like when you built an angel deck, when you built a demon deck when you were like ten first starting out, Mill was cool. Now I, that blue black Mill deck in modern, I just, no, I I'm not a fan. I yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with Jason. Mill isn't fun for anyone, whereas land destruction is fun just for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I so, that. Yeah, so it just it feels it feels pretty easy. Mill is it, it just mills like okay, mill eight, and they're like, whatever. Okay, mill eight. Like, where's there's no fun in that? But hey, you don't have any lands anymore. That's way more fun. I no, think. I get that. Yeah. The one thing I want to point out about the modern mill deck is that it's only fun when on your turn zero you quad archive trap the person who just fetched. Yes, that's, that's great. Like in a modern, is fun. Yeah, but, yeah, explosive mill. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've played decree of annihilation in standard, and I've played obliterate out of the sideboard. Both my, in my favorite actual slide deck. They're both amazing cards, but I think people think about mill incorrectly when you think about. Uh, the new Ulamog as a mill card, and you think about one Mesmeric Orb with four Sculpting Steels on it, that's when a lot of fun happens. And you're just like, yeah. dude, it's no longer mill eight. It's like mill you for 10, and then mill you for 40 when you untap all your stuff, especially with yeah. exhaustion. Yeah. If you're that's just great. talking about sit there and like piddly mill, like Glimpsy Unthinkable and EDH, like, no, no, no. We want a 10 10 attached to mill 10, attached to you untap and mill 40. Yeah, I think Mill gets fun there, but otherwise it is very boring, like the both of you guys said. Yeah. All right. So the last question before we get to picks for the week: Can you remember the first rare you you either opened or owned? Oh man, I I remember. I don't remember the first rare. I think it was Howling Mine, but I remember the first pack I opened. I thought Keldon Warlord was the coolest looking card I had ever the, seen. The art on that because card here's amazing. this here's this 80s style, really bad Twisted Sister album cover on a card. And he was just all overdone muscles and everything. Oh, yeah. And I'm this scrawny little nine-year-old kid like, 
oh, this guy's going to be great. He's going to win me so many games. No, he's not. No. <laughs> he has no keywords except big. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Just big. All right. So mine, I remember exactly because the first time I ever played Magic was at Amonkhet pre-release. And oh, right. my, so it was my pre-release uh, pack thing, whatever it's called, the pre-release foil that has a little date stamp on it, was a uh, Neheb the Unworthy. And I built, um, oh. and I built uh, Rakdos Minotaurs. Yep. And I went, Minotaur. and I went, and I went 4-0. <laughs> oh good lord! <laughs> and 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 here I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rest is history. Uh, I think the oh, the first one I ever opened came from my first F and M. It was just a door prize for signing up. Entrails feaster out of onslaught. Couldn't tell you what the card did. I just know I opened a bunch of it. It's that like zombie never, cap, right? Yes, the zombie I've cap. never yeah. heard of that card in my life. Oh, I'll, I'll put oh. it up on the stream real quick. Yeah, I'm looking it up. It's uh, it's something to do with the graveyard. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. So one one for two. One, uh, one, for one, one for one. one, for one. With, a, with an upside. One one for one with an upside. And a right. downside. And a downside. <laughs> Exile a creature from your graveyard and it gets a plus one plus one counter. Otherwise, tap it. Yeah. That's it's bad Carnophage. Yeah. And Carnophage was a common. There's a zombie deck in standard, and this card was not in it. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's how bad it is. Uh, okay. All right. So we got picks now. Oh, yeah, yeah. We are on to picks and what seemed like it might have been a boring weekend. But with the information we went over at the top of the episode, I, I think there are a couple of gems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have I just have a couple penny stocks this week, so I'll go first. Mine are very exciting. Works for me. Um, just uh, uh, Dawn of Hope from Guilds of Ravnica um, for any kind of life lane deck, life gain deck, and RTRTR sticks in standard. It's um, really a really good engine. If you played it in arena, seen it played in arena, it's a very very strong engine um, okay. for any life gain deck. Um, and then Psychic Corrosion, since we were talking about Mill from Core Nineteen, um, if any kind of blue black control. Um, that catches on in standard. Um, it's a it's a very strong card, and it's starting to see a little bit more attention. People are trying to play with it. Yep. Um, things. I, I think mill being mill probably holds it down, but it is a relatively strong card. So, so what you're favorite. saying is you were lying about the LD thing. You'd rather play mill. Yes, I would definitely rather play mill. I mean, uh, <laughs> Michael Majors won a Grand Prix on the West Coast. Was it two years ago with the Sphinx's Tutelage deck? Yeah. Where he just milled people out? Yep. Yeah. So... I have a foil Russian one of those. I need to get rid it of can someday. Definitely, it can definitely be a thing. I mean, yeah, but. yeah I agree. All right, Jason. Uh, yeah, so my pick this week, uh, not sure how much room it has to go, honestly. I'm already about 20 to 30 deep on it, but it's relevant because of the top eight this weekend. Mm -hmm. Specifically, Foil Inventors Fair. So mm -hmm. it's a card that obviously is in the KCI decks. Modern players love foiling out. And if you know one thing, anytime KCI does well, all of a sudden, everyone and their mother wants to build the deck, same as Lantern, then they goldfish it and realize it's way too skill-intensive for them and they can't do it. Uh, I just think it's one of those cards that even outside of the short term, this is again more of like an 8 to 12 month, once we're far enough past Kaladesh and we're far enough away from the deflation that came because of masterpieces in the set, mm -hmm. 
those foils are not going to be $12 anymore. They're going to be 30 bucks easily because the cards at Rockstar and EDH that sees play in modern, it sees play in vintage shops, which granted was not in the top four, but vintage players love pimping out their decks just as much as modern players do. So I, I would say in about eight to 10 months, I'd expect it to be between the 25 to $30 range. So a reasonable double up. Mm-hmm. We'll see if I'm wrong, maybe, but that's and my it's pick. It's really important. The distinction of foil only is because they were in the challenger decks. Yep. Um, so yeah. that, that is a very important point. Yeah, it even carried a decent multiplier in standard compared to the original version. Yeah. Yep. So uh, for my pick, I was going to pick something related to the modern GP, but I think it's kind of obvious what anti-graveyard cards you should be playing if you're going to play modern over the next two weeks. There's no reason to talk about rest in peace and ley line of the void again. Yeah. But uh, I mentioned week one looking at Niv-Mizzet and not Expansion Explosion, and I think this week is the last week you could probably get in on Expansion Explosion before it takes off to $5 plus. Yeah. And the reason I I would suggest this this week and not any later is, right now, I don't think people realize that on places like MTG Goldfish, they're separating out three different control decks that run Expansion Explosion under three different names, despite the fact that they are within, let's say... 45 to 55 cards of each other. Yeah. And they all run between 2 and 4 Expansion Explosion. After that, it's Niv-Mizzet at 1 and some number of Tefries and Jeskai Control. Otherwise, the Is It Control Nichols. Yeah. Yeah. Run Ralzurk. But Expansion Explosion is the common thread between all of these. Right now, I'm looking at one site. You can pick them up for 250 Coming into the Pro Tour, I expect if people play them at least on day one, they should finish their rise to five and over. If they top eight, they'll probably go to seven, which I believe is going to be the ceiling on these cards. But coming out of the Pro Tour, if there is a de facto control deck, we know people will flock to it because people like playing control and standard. Yeah. And they generally follow. (laughs) (laughs) Some people like playing magic, okay? Some people like to watch the world burn, so I mean, (laughs) different strokes. Speaking of decks. Though uh, Bant Spirits just absolutely demolished KCI in the finals to Ooh. win GP Atlanta, so it yes. was it was not close in any form at all. All right, so good. No, yep. So yeah, my pick for this week is Expansion Explosion, and this is probably going to be the last week we pick a standard card going into the holidays, unless something just absolutely yeah. tanks. Uh, Although I do want to tag one thing onto this before we officially sign out. Uh, Takali Honor Guard is a card we've definitely talked about in the last two podcasts, and we were actually talking about over the weekend as a group. Right now, there's no way that this card can be removed from main decks. No pro thinks this is a sideboardable card. It is main deckable only. Yeah. And Brad Nelson and his brother Corey believe that you can, if you're playing white, you have to play this card until... Golgari is under 20% of the metagame. And something they had as a data point is kind of unattainable by anybody who isn't coming in off three buys. And that's the fact that a lot of these people on three buys know what each other's playing. And starting at round four for the for the last standard GP in, so that was New Jersey and Lille, Golgari just flooded the field. Yeah. Uh, coming off buys at 3-0. And they suggested that until that stops, Basically, you can't get rid of Takali Honor Guard from your main decks. So if you're holding on to it, keep 
you know, pay attention to that Pro Tour coming up and start listing them probably midday Friday if they look good. Yeah. But with that, I believe we are done for today. Sweet. Thanks, guys. We will catch you next week. Yep. Be sure to like, sub, everything. We're on Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube. A little bell icon. Yeah. Yeah. We need that bell. And uh, we'll have giveaways before too long here as well. And stay tuned for Patreon dates too. Yeah, we're trying yeah. to figure that out. We we all agree it's a good idea. We just need to figure out what our tiers are going to be. And uh, with that, uh, you can find me on Twitter at HaltIMReptar. You can find me at Thirsty Sizzler. And Cody? I think I'm TX Card Pirate. All right. And find us at MTG Cabal Pit. Thank you very much. See you guys. See ya.